cool. We're rolling. Um, All right. Welcome back to the Room 122 podcast. This is Mr. Hicks. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, we've got a special interview today. I've got one of my co-workers, uh, Missy Quinn, or Miss Quinn, as the students know her, uh, is going to be on today. She's going to just share a little bit about her uh, transition into the remote teaching life, as well as she's a part of a really cool community project. And kind of thinking about that just the other day when we were talking about problem solving, uh, what a great segue into this interview. So I want to jump right to it. Um, at the end, she does share her contact if you want to reach out to her as far as uh, if there's anything you can do or more information on this project. So please do that if you'd like. Uh, but without further ado, here's Missy Quinn. Today, students, I've got Miss um, Quinn with me in today. Uh, she's our technology teacher at East Grant. Hi, guys. And uh, we just want to chat a little bit. She's doing some really cool stuff. We're going to chat a little bit about school and how the transition's going and uh, and then she's going to fill us in on some really cool uh, projects that she's working on to help our community. Uh, so first off, how's this uh, whole transition going to remote learning for you? I would say that the transition has been pretty easy in terms of understanding the technology. Um, I think that emotionally it's hard because I do miss the kids and I miss seeing them every day. And we had to leave off right in the middle of some really fun projects that I can't have them finish up until we get back um, to school again. So that's kind of hard because each um, different grade level was right in the middle of doing a really cool project. And, and now we're just having to put it on hold for a little while. Mine was the same way. We were right in the middle of a research paper, uh, Mr. Clark and I, and yeah. kids were just starting to finish up their rough drafts. And it's, such a bummer to not be able to wrap those up. And some of those students were in a good spot where we could probably edit and make it work. But a lot of students just really need that help and needed that direct instruction on in writing and uh, being yeah. a part like this just makes it not able to happen. So, yeah, I think too, um, you know, we talked about a few questions and this kind of leads into the next question too, but a lot of the projects that we do in my class, um, need to be done at school because it has software that I have that is just on my um, school computers or um, maybe a piece of equipment that we're using. So, for instance, the um, sixth graders that you have also were right in the middle of we had just finished up our Frogger programming and they were getting ready to start creating their own game and build a controller using the Makey Makey. Well, I don't have Makey Makeys to send to every kid. Mm. So I really continue that project. The software that we use is only on my computer. So we're kind of just at this spot where we're going to have to either pick it up next year and try to do something similar next year. Or maybe at the end of the school year, um, we'll be able to pick it up if we're able to get back to school, which would be very exciting. That would be nice. So yeah. as a technology teacher, how is that transition from uh... – kind of your traditional classroom to uh, remote learning. Are there some advantages or disadvantages? I mean, I imagine you've got some tricks up your sleeves, but like you said, well, you know, you don't have your computers and you don't have your software. You don't have some of that, that hardware right. infrastructure. So, Right. 
those are all the disadvantages. I don't have a lot of the um, tools that we use in the classroom um, with me or available to be able to use, but there's so many advantages too. I mean, with technology and, um, you know, STEM projects, there, there are a lot of softwares out there that we can tap into, and especially now since they're offering them for free, a lot of the software that, um, you know, is available out there costs quite a bit of money to purchase mm -hmm. um, to purchase for a school, especially when I have as many kids as I do. But um, but the fact that there a lot of them are free right now allows us to do um, hopefully some cool stuff. Um, you know that well, there are lots of restrictions. Um, the kids might not know this, but there are a lot of restrictions on what kind of software we can use. We have right. to make sure it's appropriate for them. That um, it follows the guidelines set by Colorado. But um, but I'm working on a lot of that. And right now we're just doing some pretty easy stuff, some digital citizenship lessons that I'm required to teach, which um, pretty easy. I just had to modify them a little bit. But other than that, it was a pretty easy transition going to uh, the remote learning. So Nice. Well, this is a great time for uh, digital citizenship because they're all going to be digital citizens a lot more than they were a month ago. So we really need them to do that. Exactly. Yeah, I had um, one, the one that the sixth graders are doing is called, um, uh, um, oh, don't uh, catch the fish. Uh, oh, gosh, I'm even forgetting what it's called right now. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? No, that's, that's expected. That's it's how it goes right now. <laughs> A, a million different places right now. Mm, so I hear you. To catch a fish. Ah. And it's all about fishing schemes. P H I S H. And mm. so, um, so it was really good. Kind of, you know, wearing that really critical eye when you're looking at things that maybe you see online that might pop up and are are these clickbait type things where you're like, oh, but I want to know that. Or maybe an email that someone might get that looks very um, interesting, and they're like, "Yeah, but they're gonna give me a free iPad." So things <laughs> like, so well, it might be too good to be true. So yeah. that probably is not a good one to click on and give private information to. So we're we'll learning a little bit about that. So <laughs> well, that's good. That's good stuff to have. And then uh, I, I know I, I've seen this in some emails and and. Uh, some notifications throughout the district. You're involved in a really cool community project right now. Could you tell us a little bit about that and what you've got going on? Absolutely. So um, right uh, at the beginning of this closure, I was contacted by um, a couple leaders in our community. Uh, one of them is Todd Spain, and the other is Rich Chimino. And Rich Chimino had some kids who went through the school mm -hmm. districts. Um, I know you and I both have had their, uh, his daughter and son in school. Um, but anyway, they uh, were reaching out to see if we had 3D printers that might be able to uh, be utilized to create, um, first for me, it was ventilator splitters. So something that would, a piece that would sit on a ventilator and then one ventilator could be used for two patients. Mm. So basically looks kind of like a Y. So the base part would go into the ventilator and then the two um, Y parts would go out to each patient. Gotcha. Um, I print those for quite a while. It took a little bit of time. I needed to 
get the files and um, test them out, make sure that they worked. Um, I had to fix my 3D printer. Most of the kids know that I was working on fixing the 3D printer that was in my room. <laughs> so um, so we, I was able to get that fixed, and I printed about 12 of those. So they had a dual ones, so doubles. Uh, and then quads also. Um, I only printed a couple quads. Um, I think the need will be more for a ventilator to split into two. Mm -hmm. However, talking to, excuse me, after talking to a lot of our um, uh, medical people in town, uh, I have an EMS and some nur a nurse that lives next door and some other uh, people who are in the medical field that um, we don't have a lot of those ventilators up here that it would even work with. I know that it had been tested down at Rose Medical in Denver. So I'm going to try to ship them off to Rose Medical. But I switched over to making math. So uh, Miss Mathis, she is the teacher up at the high school, and, or the technology teacher up there. She was doing the math to start out with. And oh, so okay. um, I then stepped up and started printing math. I can do about 12 a day um it takes about four hours or so to print them wow um, and i can get two on the larger printer and then just one on the smaller printer that i have and um and then we've been doing a lot of prototyping like um there's a lot the um you have to have a window seal that you put around the inside to help create the seal around their face and then the things that there's a filter part. So um, we've been testing different um, ideas for the filter, uh, from sewing different things to taking apart furnace filters, lots of different things. So we've been doing a lot of prototyping. We have come up with a really good one with materials that people can find in the community. And so Miss Mathis has been working really hard to get them out while I've been continuing to print a bunch um, and working on, um, you know, reaching out to different community members. And so it's been really exciting in um, these 3D masks. I'll post, since we've talked about this, I'll post some pictures of them. Uh, some people may have seen them in the Sky High News. They did an article about us. But um, I'll post some of the pictures also on my classroom for um, kids to see. That's awesome. So you guys are essentially printing like a plastic mask that yep. can kind of seal or go on someone's face like in a safe way, but then have like yep. a reusable filter. Is that right? Absolutely. And then it, it has a shoestring. We found shoestrings work the best to hold it onto their face with a little uh, toggle that you can adjust the size. And um, yeah, it, it um, you might have heard the N95 mask, mm -hmm. it kind of uh, is a match to that. So that's like the really high level mask that they need to protect themselves from someone who definitely does have this COVID-19. And um, so we're, we really wanted to make sure we had high level filters on that and that we were really sealing it up and protecting them. The good thing about these masks where N95 masks have to be thrown away when they're when after they use them, these masks can be washed and reused. They just have to put a new filter in it. Nice. So that's a really cool aspect of these 3D printed masks. Well, and who knows? I mean, maybe this is something that goes into production so that in, 
you know, in the future, if we have something like this happen again, we right. we have masks that are available and reusable as opposed to having this huge shortage uh, just a few months into this thing. Yeah, so I was talking to my neighbor across the street. One is a, um, a paramedic and the other is a nurse. And they get one of the regular masks per day. And if they need an N95 mask, they have to check it out. So they're not even like having masks readily available to them. So I've, we've been trying to come up with solutions where they could rewash it and reuse it, but really protect themselves with just that smaller filter as opposed to, um, you know, having to use the same mask all day long where they really should be replacing that in between each uh, patient. Oh, that's great. And that, that's awesome that, you know, you guys up here in the school district uh, were able to get on that early and help out and, and make that go. Yeah, it was exciting. And, it's you know, it's a huge collaboration. And that's what life is all about and what um, supporting our community is about is stepping up where needed. And while I haven't been able to get out and deliver a lot of food like a lot of other people maybe have done. I've been here at home, hunkered down, making sure my 3D prints are going. And then once they're done printing, I'm putting the seal around them and getting the shoestrings and making sure that they're ready to go. So, um, you know, we all do our part to try to help our community in a time of need. Well, that's awesome. You know, and I think it was maybe two podcasts or three podcasts ago, I was talking about how uh, right now, teachers, with the way that we have to design our, our classroom online and kind of redo all of our assignments and our curriculum, is that it's really a, a problem-solving task that we've taken on and that we've been given this you know tremendous problem of how do we continue to teach kids at home and, and go through that process. But not only are you doing that, but you're also taking on some of these uh, bigger world problems and community problems as well. So thank you so much for doing that. That's awesome. Absolutely. I love it. I, I think it's great, and I'm just happy that um, I could fill that need and help out with these 3D printers that we were um, able to get on a grant. And, you know, it's, it's now serving another purpose other than just printing things at the school. So it, it has a real-world effect, which is another point that I think is so important, is that a lot of these things that the kids are learning about technology have a really important role in the larger world that they can tap into at this point, even like a podcast like mm-hmm. this, you know, getting, this is a great way to communicate while practicing social distancing and sharing the information that you know about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and so. luckily I have that capability to do it and, you know, Maybe not saving lives like you are right now, but hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully, uh, keeping in contact with people and keeping them sane a little bit. So, uh, yeah. Any uh, any good stuff? Any kind of silver lining from all this? Uh, you know, anything personal or with work that you're kind of enjoying about this whole situation? Well, I am a big crafter, and so I have been, you know, tapping into a lot of that crafting. Uh, um, you know, desires that I have from doing scrapbooks uh, of my kids, or I have a scrapbook that I want to work on, um, an ancestry one of all of my grandparents and great-grandparents. 
And then also I love to sew. And so I've had my sewing machine out and making fabric masks too for my kids and for other community members. Some of you may know Miss Shumway. Mm -hmm. She reached out to me and she really needs a mask. So I'm making masks for her and her husband today so that I can take them out to them so that they're protected when they go out in the um, community. And we've been doing that for a lot of different people in our community. So it's just another way, whether it's not, maybe it's not the 3D printed mask, but at least I can get them a mask that will protect them when they go to the grocery store or when they have to go to the post office. So nice. those are the things that I've been doing. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're getting some enjoyment and getting your sewing fix in. So, well, perfect. Well, thanks so much for coming on. It's been awesome to have you. Uh, yeah. What a great story. Well, thank you. I'm excited. And if any kids have any questions, you know, they, they know where to reach me or parents, if they have a question about it, um, you know, all of our emails are on the school website. So, People are more than welcome to reach out to me if they have any questions about what we've been doing or if they're in need of something that I can help them with. I am more than happy to help out um, in this time of need. So my email, the kids all know it, but it's mm -hmm. missyquinn at egsd.org. You can find that on the egms.egsd.org website under our staff information. So um, please, if anybody hears this and they need something, reach out to me and I'll see if I can help them out. All right. Well, thanks so much. And uh, we'll uh, catch you on the next staff meeting. So. All right. Sounds good, Scotty. All right. Bye, Missy. Bye-bye. All right. That was Miss Quinn. Uh, what, what a great interview. I mean, to be able to, A, have access to that, that technology and the knowledge to be able to hop in and design stuff and uh, print that stuff. I mean, just a great thing. And like she said, the uh, problem-solving tactics that she's using is just real-life stuff. And the stuff that you guys are learning in technology class, even in 6th, 7th, and 8th grade in middle school or in high school, is totally applicable to helping out in these types of situations. So uh, just thanks again for her to coming on today. All right, that's all the time we've got for the day. Uh, Please tune back in uh, to Room 122 Podcast, and we will catch up with you later. Bye.